Our scripture reading this evening is Colossians 3, 1 through 11, and the text is 9b and 10. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now... You must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. And this begins our text here. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and that you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. So last week in our ongoing studies in Paul's letter to the Colossians, we began looking at the section of the letter in which the apostle gives instruction and exhortation to the Colossian church concerning some of the details of Christian living. We saw that the first part of the letter is largely about what God has done in Jesus for our salvation, and that the second part of the letter deals with the practical implications of that salvation for Christian living. It's not an absolute division, but uh, the first two chapters are mostly about different facets of salvation in Jesus, and the second The last two chapters are mostly about what that means for Christian living. And perhaps the most important point that we must understand when it comes to the biblical teaching about Christian living is that it is rooted in salvation in Jesus, and indeed it is part of what that salvation means. It's our natural inclination to think uh, that uh, we need to obey God in order to earn Uh, or to merit God's favor, but the gospel message is that we are brought into God's favor through believing in Jesus rather than keeping God's law, and that keeping God's law is what we do as a response to God accepting us on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. And one of the things that that means is that obedience to God's law is not an onerous burden but it is a wonderful blessing of salvation. Salvation includes being changed so that we want to obey. We have been given to see that the way of obedience is the way of life and blessing and well-being. The main motivation for obedient living motivations are love and thanksgiving and the God-given understanding that it is a wonderful blessing to be enabled to live the new life that Christ, the new life in Christ, and to grow in obedience to God's law. 
That must always be understood when we are studying passages in the Bible that have to do with God's law and Christian living. In the cases of the verses that we are looking at uh, this evening, we must keep in mind that they are intimately related to what comes before them. Just one example, back in chapter 1, 13 and 14, uh, Paul had said, He delivers us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The call to obedience <clears throat> comes as an implication of truths such as these. Because God has delivered us from the domain of darkness, because God has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, because we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, therefore live the good life that God has saved us in order to live. Now, in the verses that we're going to look at this evening, Paul is giving more encouragement to the Colossians to do what he is telling them to do as far as fighting against sin is concerned. In verses 5 through 9a, Paul has been urging them to put sin to death in their lives, to put away a number of sinful attitudes and behaviors. We looked at that last week. In the verses that we're going to look at now, Paul slips in another encouragement to them to do what he is urging them to do. They are to put sin to death. They are to put away things like sexual immorality and anger and lying, seeing seeing that they have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of Of its creator. Now he appeals to two things in the words that I have just quoted. He appeals to something that the Colossians had done when they became Christians. They had put off the old self and put on the new self. And he appeals to something that God was doing in them as Christians. So in the past, when they responded positively to the gospel message, they had put off the old self, they had put on the new self, but then the new self, Paul says, is one which is being renewed by God to become more like God and more like Jesus. A very basic idea here is that both becoming and being a Christian involves God working in us and us doing things at the same time. We make changes in our lives and grow towards greater obedience because God is working in us. Paul expresses that relationship between what God does and what we do in Philippians 1, 12 and 13, where he says, "'Work out your own salvation.'" With fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And it's that relationship that we are seeing in our text as well. The The Colossians had put off the old self. They had put on the new self. There the focus is on what they had done when they became Christians. But the new self that they had put on 
is being renewed by God to become more and more like God. Because both what the Christian, what the Colossians had done when they turned to Christ and the renewal that God was doing in their lives, they are, Paul is saying, to put sin to death in their lives and to put away things like anger and malice and lying. Now the phrases putting off the old self and putting on the new self are very significant. And it's worth the effort that it takes to understand them because this is part of the encouragement that Paul is giving them to put away sin and to grow in obedience. And so this is, this is practical. This is intended to be very practical. Paul is mentioning these truths for a very practical reason. To encourage the life of putting sin to death and striving towards obedience. He understands that it can be hard and discouraging work. And so he is very lavish with his encouragements. So the Christians, uh, so Christians have put off the old self with its practices and they have put on the new self. The imagery here is that of a change of clothes. Pictures of someone who has taken off old and dirty clothes and put on a new and fresh uh, set of clothes. That's the general picture, the imagery, but what is put on and put off is not clothes but selves. The old self has been put off and the new self has been put on. A Christian is a new person. He has repudiated his old self and he has put on a new self. Paul uses similar language in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And therefore he writes, where he writes rather, Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But in our passage, the, the emphasis is on what a person does when he or she becomes a Christian. Other passages emphasize what God does, and indeed this passage in its place emphasizes what God does as well. But when Paul speaks about putting off and putting on, uh, he's the emphasizing what we do when we turn to Jesus in faith and repentance. We put off the old self and we put on the new self. Now this idea of putting, on the, putting off the old self and putting on the new self is much more profound than what we might think at first glance. We might use this kind of language in our everyday speech. For instance, we, after we have a shower and put on a fresh set of clothes, we might say, I feel like a new person. And what Paul is talking about here is something like that, but much, much deeper. The old self refers to what we are in Adam. And the new self refers to what we are in Christ. When we believe in Jesus by the power of the Spirit, we become different in a real and profound way. We don't just feel different. We are different. Further, the old self, new self imagery is not just about individuals. It's about the great division of the whole human race. The old self refers to the human race in its relationship with Adam and the death that came upon all men because of Adam's sin 
on the one hand, and the new self is about the human race in Christ, which is made up of all those whom God has saved and is saving and will save. In Ephesians 2, verse 15, Paul speaks about God, quote, creating one new man in Christ. Salvation in Christ is about God creating a new humanity in Christ. And so the old self, new self imagery certainly includes individuals, but it has more to do with all of humanity in Adam and all of the new humanity in Christ. In any case, what Paul is stressing here is that when people believe in Jesus and repent of their sins, they make a definite break with their old sinful selves, which belongs to humanity in its relationship with Adam, and they embrace a whole new self, which belongs to the new humanity in its relationship to Christ. This is something that God does in saving us, but it is at the same time something that we do as a result of God's work within us. And so here Paul is reminding the Colossians to remember the great change they made when they became Christians. They had put off the old self with all its practices. They had put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of God. And Paul is reminding them of this to encourage them in the fight to put sin to death in their lives. The practical point here is that in the whole battle against sin, it's very important that we think of ourselves as the Bible describes us as Christians. How we think of ourselves is a very important factor in how we live our lives. The Bible has an awful lot to say about how Christians should think about themselves, and most of the time when it is doing that, it has to do with encouraging them in the fight of faith. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's telling them to put sin to death, to put away sin in their lives, but All around these commands and exhortations, he's encouraging them by reminding them of who they are in Christ. And here, he is reminding them, you put off the old self when you believed in Jesus. And you put on the new self. The old self was spiritually dead. It's a part of who you were in Adam. The new self is spiritually alive. It is who you are in Christ. And God is at work in the new self, renewing it after the image of its creator. Remember this when you are struggling in the fight against sin. Clearly, it doesn't mean that the fight against sin is over. The great change from old self to new self does not mean that Living the Christian life now becomes a breeze. The fact that Paul uh, surrounds his exhortation with so much encouragement is rooted in the fact that we need encouragement because putting off sin and putting on obedience is hard. We're not always successful. Growth is slow. Perseverance is necessary. Think of what Paul writes 
in Galatians 6, 9, he says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We do get weary. We are tempted to give up. Sometimes we do give up for a time. But that's exactly why Paul and the other biblical writers give such a huge emphasis to encouragement, the encouragement of the gospel. But that encouragement often comes in in the form of concepts that stretch us. They're ideas to be understood that are unfamiliar and which take some effort to understand. Paul expects his readers to ponder what he's teaching them, to grow in their understanding of the blessedness of what it means to be a believer. And, And so it is here. Paul encourages us to think of ourselves as as putting off our old dead in sin self and put on our new being renewed by God self. This is a beautiful thing about being a Christian. Yes, there is struggle involved. Yes, it takes effort over the long haul, and so perseverance is necessary. But that perseverance comes from hope. And so much of the biblical message for believers is about the wonderful blessings that are ours in Christ. So much of the biblical encouragement in the fight of faith is about the love of God for his people, about forgiveness, about new life, and as here about the fact that in, through, and under our our struggle, God is at work slowly but surely renewing us to become more and more like himself. To put it in words that many of us grew up singing regularly, the work thou hast for me begun shall by thy grace be fully done. And now comes, there is more encouragement here, and this has to do with the vision or the goal of the Christian life, and that goal is to become more and more like God. Paul says that after the new self, which the Christian, Paul says that the new self, which the Christians have put on, quote, is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, God is the most wonderful and glorious being imaginable. And the incredible riches of human life has to do with the fact that he made us in his image. That image has been greatly tarnished and distorted by the fall into sin. But one of the great goals of salvation is to renew us in God's image, which is also Christ's image. God made humanity in his image. That means we are like God in some ways. We are not like God in every way, otherwise we would be God, and that obviously is impossible. But God made us like himself in many ways, and that's what sets us off from the rest of the creation. The key thing here has, is that we are designed for a relationship with God. It's an incredible privilege and blessing. God created us to enjoy knowing and worshiping and serving him. God created us to share his love, 
to love and to be loved. God created us for relationship, both with him and with other people. God created us to have dominion over the earth and so reflect his kingship. And on and on it goes. Human life is so incredibly rich because God created us in his own image. But sin had a very negative effect on that image. It is not completely erased, but it is definitely tarnished and damaged. You see, sin, sin is completely unlike God. And since sin is such a big part of life, there are many, many ways in which we are completely unlike God. We are unlike God in our selfishness. We are unlike God in our greed and in our lust and in our man-centeredness. And all the ways that we are unlike God diminish us. They make us less fully human. They detract from the goodness of life. And so being renewed in the image of our Creator is is a wonderful way to understand the goal of salvation in Jesus And Jesus himself is at the heart of this teaching in Scripture. Colossians 1.15, Paul teaches there that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. This is very helpful and enriching teaching. It means that Jesus shows us what God is like because he is God in the flesh. But it also means that Jesus shows us what it means to be a human being. Who, is, who perfectly reflects the image of God. Jesus helps us to see the glory of God, but he also helps us to see what human beings are meant to be like. He's the perfect man. He is the perfect image of God. And so <clears throat> what God in salvation is working towards is us being renewed to become more and more like Jesus. In Romans 8.29, Paul writes that believers in Christ have been predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. It's encouraging because, because this is such an attractive goal. There is in human beings, in all of us, even many unsaved human beings, a desire for improvement. We recognize that We are not what we should be. We're not what we could be. And there's this whole industry out there about helping us, everybody who wants to, to become better people. Now, apart from the gospel, the goal of the world is all wrong. The strategies are largely wrong. But the popularity of the whole self-help industry does show that It's a very common thing for a human being to know that something is wrong with their lives and and that their lives could be so much better than they are. Well, the gospel is the biblical answer to this desire that many people feel for self-improvement. Both the way and the goal are very different. In the gospel, we do not improve ourselves. We are delivered from the sin that so diminishes our lives. The gospel tells us that we are not able by ourselves to improve ourselves. We must be saved from our sins 
And that's what God has done and is doing in Christ through the Holy Spirit. But the goal of improvement is also very different from that of the world. The goal of of self-improvement by the world is some vision of human living that is apart from God. The goal of salvation is that we are being renewed in the image of God, and that goal is the most possible worthwhile goal. Jesus is the perfect example of human is the perfect example of perfect humanity in the image of God. Jesus is our great role model and inspiration. He's much more than that, but he certainly is that as well. Jesus lived the perfect God-centered life. Jesus perfectly lived for the glory of God. Jesus lived the perfect life of love. Jesus was truly a great man, the greatest man who ever lived. But his greatness was the greatness of serving others, of giving his life for others. He is the great model for us of love for God and love for man. Now Paul in our text speaks of being renewed in knowledge after the image of God. One of the ways that we are like God is our knowledge. Much of that knowledge was lost in the fall of Adam into sin, and renewal in Christ involves being renewed in knowledge after the image of God. Sin and ignorance go together. One of the great results of sin is that people look at reality and life from a completely wrong perspective, and so all knowledge is tainted so that it is not truly true. Because of God's grace, human beings can know a lot of things, but the whole foundation is wrong, so that the true meaning of everything is also wrong. The point is that any knowledge that is not properly properly related to God is not completely true. God is the creator through Jesus, and all knowledge reveals him. To think of anything apart from God is to think of it wrong. And here in our text says, here in our text Paul says that the new self, the self in Christ, is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. The more we grow in true knowledge, the more we are like God. Isn't that exciting? Knowledge, so important. For human well-being. And here Paul encourages us by teaching us that God is at work in his people, renewing us in true knowledge, which is a huge part of being like God. True knowledge is knowledge of God and everything else in the light of God. And one of the great goals of the renewal that is in Christ is growing in that knowledge. John said in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Paul here in our text is speaking about this as a motivation to put sin to death, to put to death what is earthly in you. If growing in true knowledge is growing to be more like God, it means 
reflecting God in the way that we think about what is good, about what is true, and about what is beautiful. And knowing and seeing what is truly good, true, and beautiful is to see with greater clarity and revulsion the ugliness, the destructiveness of sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, with which is idolatry. To reflect God's knowledge in our knowledge is to see the true ugliness and destructiveness of anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk out from your mouth and lying. And the fact that the new self that we have put on when we first believed in Jesus is being renewed in knowledge after the image of God is a tremendous encouragement in the light, in the fight against sin in our lives because it means that we, that we more and more view sin as God views sin. The more and more, the more we see sin as God views sin, the more we will hate it and despise it. That's a pretty powerful incentive to put it to death in our lives. That growing in knowledge happens in many different ways. Here Paul is speaking about how God renews his people in knowledge. God, through through the work of the Holy Spirit, he opens our minds and our hearts so that we begin to see truth as it really is. A wonderful verse that describes this is 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Which says, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What an awesome thing. This kind of knowledge is the way of life, because knowledge of God is life, and living in darkness is living in death. So this knowledge comes from God, God's illuminating work in our hearts. It also comes from the Bible. Paul here is writing a letter to the church at Colossae, and the, the letter is all about helping the Colossians grow in their knowledge of God. God's word is a great part of the way that we grow in the kind of knowledge that makes us more like God. But there's also the rest of the creation The knowledge of God is reflected in the creation. And once our eyes have been opened to see the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, there's so much about God in his ways that we can learn from the creation. Anyway, Paul's purpose in all that we have looked at this evening is to keep the exhortations to put sin to death in their gospel context. Putting sin to death is hard, and it is painful, and it is slow going. But Paul here, and the Bible in general, insists that we never think about the fight against sin apart from the good news of the gospel. That good news is multifaceted. Here Paul has spoken about the identity of the believer as as people who have as someone who has put off the old self, the old dead self in Adam, and has put on the new self in Christ. He has reminded them that as 
new selves. They are being renewed in knowledge after the image of God and of Christ. There is the encouragement of who they are in Christ. There is the encouragement of the renewal that God is working in all new selves. There is the encouragement of the wonderful goal that God is working towards, his people becoming more and more like himself. And there is encouragement of the place in knowledge in all this. And the way of growing to be more like God involves, among other things, growing in seeing everything in the light of God and from his perspective. So be encouraged. Whatever your particular struggle is, no matter how discouraged you might feel, be encouraged that God is calling you to press on and to do so in the knowledge that he is renewing you towards a wonderful goal in a wonderful way. He understands the struggles and the discouragements that we face, and that is exactly why he is so lavish in his encouragements. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the richness of the gospel and how it reflects your goodness and your grace and your generosity, how it reflects your compassion and your understanding of our needs. Lord, we thank you for the way in which the Apostle Paul surrounds exhortations like the one before us with all kinds of gospel encouragements. We acknowledge that we need that encouragement because fighting sin is hard. We have the old nature within us, the the sinful nature still within us, fighting against the Spirit. We fail so many times. We get discouraged. We try again and again, and often we continue to fail. Lord, you know all the struggles that we face. You know it when we are discouraged. We pray that you would use your word, also what we have considered this evening, to be a great encouragement to us. Help us to see What a wonderful thing it is that you tell us to put sin to death, to fight against sin. Help us to see sin as you see it, as we grow in the knowledge of God and as we become more like you. And Lord, will you use all of that to give us the strength that we need day by day to keep on fighting and to increase in our zeal as we do so, as we see with greater and greater clarity the horror of what we leave behind and the beauty and the glory of what we are moving towards. Thank you for your grace and your love and the glorious goal that you have for us to grow in being like you and being like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.